I'm Kevin Price. You're listening to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm really excited. Uh, we've had uh, Jim Hancock as a regular commentary uh, provider here on the Price of Business show for quite some time. He's incredibly savvy in the technology space. And uh, recently he has uh, uh, begun to join us to do actual interviews on a regular basis about his research and work in the technology space. He's a leading authority in this, in this space. His website, by the way, is jlhancock.com. That's jlhancock.com. He's an author. Uh, he's an author of uh, primarily uh, novels, in fact, uh, that deal a lot with uh, issues that relate to technology and national security and a lot of these issues. And during his time in the military, Jim worked away in the dark, dark corners of the government intelligence communities. He learned two Asian languages and eventually conducted over 100 combat operations with special operations forces in Iraq, Afghanistan, and the Philippines. And so he has a fascinating background. Um, love having him on the program. Love doing this work with him. And, again, you can learn more about him at jlhancock.com. So, JL, you know, we uh, love the series that we're doing with you. Uh, I loved all the content you did before, but uh, really excited about doing uh, the interviews with you. Um, our, our topic this morning, I think, is very interesting, very timely, because of the fact that uh, Ukraine continues to dominate uh, the news. The Ukraine-Russian war situation uh, continues to dominate the news. But you're telling me about uh, something in the tactical weapon front uh, that the Ukraine uh, – that are, are being used or potentially used by the Ukrainians that uh, uh, is a great interest, but frankly hasn't had a lot of conversation uh, among the larger media. In fact, I noticed the media is really seems to be only interested in, in human interest stories, even when it comes to politics and policy, uh, not substance. It's very hard to watch. But with that, kind of set the stage for us, and as always, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so getting right into it, the, the uh, Iraq, Ukraine war has developed a lot, has presented a lot of new different types of technologies, but the biggest one has been the ability for small units and individuals with organizations with a lot less money to have a huge impact with using unmanned systems. And some of those unmanned systems are being uh, in place in the water. And to give a little bit of context, uh, unmanned surface vehicles or remote control, uh, you could call them boats, but technically they're vehicles, uh, have been and it's been around for a very long time. The actual, the very first one was the very first unmanned system ever created. That was by Nikola Tesla back in 1898. However, they were not used by any real force for a very long time because of the limitation of the radio waves when it came to how you use them. However, the small unit tactics and the ability to uh, adapt on the edge for against the enemy has made the USVs very effective, especially in an area like the Black Sea where the large naval vessels of the Russians are kind of pinned. So what, they, what the Ukrainians have been doing is taking these very low-cost, uh, very effective vehicles and packing them with explosives and then putting, and then putting uh, the high bandwidth radios uh, on them so that they could, they could push the video feed so they could drive the boats onto their targets to be able to impact large vessels. And this is in direct parallel to the way that the USS Cole was attacked in um, in Yemen in 2000, uh, and it's, it has a, it's having a huge effect on the battlefield against the Russians. 
Yeah, very interesting. Talk about the uh, larger implications of this as you see it, uh, and how do you see it being countered by the Russians? Uh, things really are heating up quite a bit, and it's interesting to see, how the, again, the lack of substantive conversation by the media about it. Uh, but to me, this appears like a particular, uh, potentially significant story. The thing that's huge about it is the fact is is really the way that it changes the dynamic when it comes to large naval vessels versus the ability for to adapt on the edge, and that is something that historically has not been to the advantage of, of lesser company countries. And the, the, traditionally, what we would do in the United States and Russia and all that is we we felt that if you increase the number of these large vessels, you increased your navy when it came to the big the, the, the bigs is usually referred to as like when it comes to things like destroyers and cruisers and even all the way up to aircraft carriers, that you could own the battlefield. However, with the Russians and the Ukrainian situation, is those large vessels don't have a lot of maneuverability, and if they're in port, they are extremely at risk because when you're at port, you can't run very many of your defensive measures, and you're kind of a sitting duck in some respects. And this, this element of warfare that's different, really, is it's less about the efficiency of the one unmanned surface vehicle. It's how you hit it with numbers. And if you can pump out a whole bunch of these at a very low cost, you can have a huge impact on the battlefield really, really quickly. And it doesn't matter how many the enemy takes out because they will just keep coming. And that is really where the Russians are at risk. And that's really where things change because it forces the larger navies to, to offset set themselves even farther away from where these enemies are located. And if you're in a spot like the Black Sea, there's nowhere to go. You're stuck. Yeah, yeah. So it would give the Ukrainians a lot of breathing room, if you will. To an extent, yes, if they can continue to produce them and they can produce them at scale. Um, yeah. That the, and and the they're the actual producers of these vehicles. Sometimes. In some cases they are, and in other cases they are being produced overseas. Who else would be, uh, would be producing these? They're pretty tight-lipped about who exactly builds them, but they're most major defense. There are a number of uh, larger defense contractors that are using them, both in the U.K. and the United States. And then there are smaller businesses that are building them that are that but they have different use cases and applications some can um do different types of some can go underwater as well as above water um some and they all they all have different types of mission capabilities but what's changing really is historically it's always it's been about what's called ISR intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance where they use these particular vehicles to gather intelligence well that in as much as that is still happening they're really pivoting now towards kinetic op op options where they're putting explosives on them and, and using them to uh, eliminate targets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talk about the cost of these. I'm sure they're tight-lipped about the source. They're also tight-lipped about the cost, but kind of guesstimate, guesstimate on that a little bit. They, they range. So the, the better ISR ones are going to be more expensive. But uh, to be honest, I've seen some in my working in projects that I did still in the government where you could make one of these boats for a smaller one, you could make it for less than a few hundred dollars. I'm not even kidding. As long as you have the explosives, it'd be the most expensive part. Sorry, I had to um, laugh. Uh, you, yeah. you, you can't even buy a toilet seat for the government for $200. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying, not for the government. But this like, is you Ukraine. Could, this isn't the Department of U.S. Department of Defense. This is Ukraine. There, there are levels in warfare where you go from, when you go from scalability and then you go into practicality. And when you get down to the practical level, all of a sudden costs suddenly, you start eliminating all the irrelevant things and you say, okay, at the bare minimum, what do I need this thing to do? And 
Um, you could make these things out of, uh, I mean, a boats are nice because they don't have to fly, right? You could just, they just need to be able to float, stay afloat, and then they need a motor to propel them. Um, now, when I say $100, I'm talking about like the frame and maybe even the, the motor, but it's at really short range. But you can get them on several thousand, $10,000, you can get a pretty decent vehicle doing what you need to do. The problem is, is a lot of these other defense contractors, they make these extremely Gucci frames, and nobody wants to use those as a kinetic weapon. They don't want to blow them up. Um, mm -hmm. I strangely enough, because then they'll spend millions on the tomahawk, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Makes you wonder, you know, you talk about government spending is like OPM, other people's money on steroids. In fact, it's people uh, generations from now that haven't even been born yet. It's easy to spend when you get that kind of checkbook. It's 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 often hard to watch. So uh, as we begin to wrap it up, and I do want to mention, uh, he is found, of course, at the Daily Blaze, that is his primary place for his archive, uh, but he's also throughout the Price of Business Digital Network, um, and uh, we mentioned his website already. But uh, final thoughts as we begin, begin to wrap it up, uh, uh, JL, kind of give us the, the takeaways, take if you will. The biggest takeaway is that with things like unmanned surface vehicles, you've got to keep in mind that Warfare in the future is going to be very different, and the way that we use our resources is going to be very different. And everybody has to be open-minded to the application of these technologies and also be aware that um, some of the, it's going to cost money for everybody to figure out how things are going to go, but also they need to be able to be open-minded when it comes to, like I said, the innovation itself. Yeah, yeah, you will have to get out of the uh, mindset that uh, uh, cost, high cost means better, necessarily. I mean, yes, it does. You pointed that out, but that doesn't mean 200 bucks doesn't have value in a scenario like this. I find this fascinating, uh, and you can make some really uh, targeted and uh, high-utility vehicles at a, you know, at a low cost. It's really amazing. Uh, always love having you on. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. I'm Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business. Make sure you check out all of Dale Hancock's work, again, over at dailyblaze.com. That will get connections to his website and uh, so much more. I am Kevin Price. Stay tuned for more after this.